Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Worship with Paisley St George's. There are one or two intimations this morning. Firstly, the Kirk Session is called to meet via Zoom on Wednesday the 9th of June at 7.30pm. Elders should have received the papers and details for this meeting already. If you haven't, then please contact Stephen Drennan. Next Sunday, we will celebrate the Sacrament of Holy Communion. This will be live-streamed from St George's Causey Side to St George's Outreach Centre, as well as to wherever you may be. The invitations to members are available for elders to collect, either from the session house here at Causey Side or at the Outreach Centre. I'm looking for help with the delivery of one district. If you can help with that, please speak to either Stephen or myself at the end of worship. A collection for Women's Aid will be held next Sunday, the 13th of June. We'll be looking for donations of snacks, drinks, etc. that will be used for trips and play schemes over the summer. Blue buckets for donations will be available in both centres. And we note that gifts of money would be very acceptable too. These are all the intimations. Come to worship the living God who calls us to a new way of belonging. Come to follow Jesus, whose love is stronger than evil. Come in the power of the Spirit, who challenges our fears and renews our purpose. Come to join God's new family. We worship the living God in hymn 175. Thank <laughs> you. 
Junior. How good it is to begin to hear some singing in church. And now let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, like a good parent, you call us to you to guide us and protect us, to nourish us and lead us. Brother Jesus, like a caring elder brother, you serve us and help us. You cheer us and invite us to follow you and become your apprentice. Healing Spirit, you call us and move us ever closer into fellowship with you and with one another. And yet, like unruly children, we rebel at your guidance. We try to break away and do it all ourselves. We feel our strength and think ourselves to be all-powerful. We rejoice in life and imagine ourselves to be immortal. We know our talents and want to be independent rather than depending on you. Before we know it, we are in the grip of other powers, leading us away from your loving ways into the slavery of selfish greed, adoring false gods of youthfulness, materialism, power. Lord, forgive us and free us. Open our eyes so that we may learn from your example to love and serve others. Open our hearts that we may learn that neither race nor tribe Culture nor religion are barriers to separate us, but that we are all one family in your love. So open our hearts and minds so that we may learn again to live your love as we celebrate and worship you as part of the congregation of St George's. Teach us what it means to be your children, your people, your family and help us to feel part of your family. Help us to see all people as brothers and sisters in your family. We ask all this in Christ's name. And hear us now as we pray together, brothers and sisters, in the words Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We turn now to scripture, and this morning's scripture will be read for us by Barbara. Good morning. This morning I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Then Jesus entered the house and again a crowd gathered. So he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, but they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law, who came down from Jerusalem, said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. 
and if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. And may God add his blessing to his holy word. Thank you, Barbara. We continue in our worship with a hymn that seems so appropriate this morning for a number of reasons. It's hymn 181. And as we stand here with the sunshine streaming in, for the beauty of the earth, for the beauty of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies. For the joy of ear and eye, for the heart and mind's delight, for the mystic harmony linking sense to sound and sight. For the joy of human love, brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth and friends above, for all gentle thoughts and mild, for each perfect gift and sign of your love so freely given, graces human and divine, flowers of earth and buds of heaven, Christ our God, to you we raise this our sacrifice of praise, hymn 181. Thank you. 
May the words of my mouth, the thoughts of our minds and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Today we return to the Gospel of Mark, where we are encouraged to follow in the footsteps of Christ. And in the early chapters of Mark, we read parables, hear of miracles, of healings, of the sending out of his disciples, his trained apprentices, his journeymen, if you like, of the consequences of following Christ and of just how popular Jesus became. And so today, I'd like us, first of all, to explore just what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus before focusing on this morning's gospel and in particular, what it means to be part of God's family, to be a sibling of Christ. Firstly, apprentices. An apprentice, by definition, is a person who is learning from a skilled person and being paid a low wage. Just recently, there's been discussions in the media about the merits of apprenticeships compared to going to university. But when you mention the word apprentice today, many people may think of the television series of that name. I wonder how many of you have watched The Apprentice over the years. It's apparently been confirmed recently that the series will not return this year. Now, whether that makes you happy or sad, I don't know. But for those of you who have not seen this series, it involves somewhere around 16 people, usually young folk in their 20s, trying to outdo one another in showing off their entrepreneurial skills by completing various and varied tasks, generally to do with making money. Because that's who wins each week. The person, well, that's who partly wins each week, the folks who've made the biggest profit. Normally each week, one candidate is unsuccessful and sent home until just the final four are left. For Alan Sugar is seeking just one successful candidate. And this one candidate would be the person in whom he would invest a large sum of money. Now, I have absolutely no idea how many people originally apply to take part in each series, how many people want to see themselves on television, want to see themselves win this large sum of money to take forward this, this, their business idea. But I suspect it would be many. So here we have many, many people seeking to be Alan Sugar's one and only apprentice. What a difference to becoming Christ's apprentice for in today's reading, Jesus has just called together his team of apostles. A motley crew with no apparent talents or abilities, no CVs or business plans, but all willing to put their jobs, their lives on hold to follow Christ. No need to win a competition either. Remember, Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher, and in biblical times, Teachers used a very different style of teaching to that used today, or even in what many of us may regard as the good old days. The learning experience in Jesus' time was a whole life active experience. As Steve Chalk puts it, apprentices trusted their rabbi completely and worked passionately to incorporate his actions and attitudes, as well as his words, into their lives. A disciple's deepest desire was to follow his rabbi so closely that he would start to think and act just like him. The words of Steve Chalk. 
So Jesus' first apprentices, his 12 apostles, they left everything and they followed him. They walked with him, they talked with him, they ate with him and shared in his life. And as they shared in Christ's life, they would also have shared in each other's lives. Their emotions, behaviours, their anxieties, their uncertainties, their hopes, their fears, their loyalties. But as we read today, they became part of a new family. They became part of Christ's family. They became his brothers. Christ did not seek, and Christ is not seeking, just one apprentice in whom to invest huge sums. Christ has not set aside a small fraction of his wealth. Christ, Christ has invested his all. Christ gave up his life. Christ offers everlasting life. Christ is not seeking to choose one special person for this reward. Christ offers his apprenticeship to each and every one, to anyone and everyone who's prepared to say to him, I love you and I want to get to know you better. I want to learn how to serve you. I want to be part of your family. And in today's reading, we hear of Jesus' family, his mother and his brothers, concerned for Christ, worried about his behaviour. For Jesus, well, he's a young man. He's left the safety and security of his family. He's probably given up his trade because we think he probably followed in, his, in Joseph's footsteps to become a carpenter. And he set off, he set off travelling around the country as an itinerant preacher and teacher. He's gathered huge crowds around him. He's broken the Sabbath laws. He's chosen a group of people as his friends, as his apprentices, that any family would not be too happy about. He is, to put it mildly, a challenging young man. And his family, like any family, is worried about him. They're so worried, they seek him out and they try to rescue him. And at this point, as we heard, Jesus is also up against the criticism of the scribes, the teachers of the law. They too have travelled to air their views and try to rein in this charismatic, rebellious preacher. And Jesus, we heard, uses a parable to argue with the scribes. And while he's doing this, his mother and his brothers arrive, looking to have a quiet word with him outside. Well, when Jesus is told this, he responds with a phrase I think most of us will remember. Who are my brothers and my mother? Who are my mother and brothers? Before he answers the question himself by going on to say, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now in the past when I've read this passage, I sometimes thought of this as Jesus turning his back, if you like, on his natural family. I would now read this as Jesus extending his family way beyond the bounds of natural family members, extending his family to all who do God's will. So this leads me to invite us to think about two questions. Firstly, how do we discern God's will? And secondly, what does it mean to be Christ's brother, sister and mother, to be part of his family? So, how do we discern God's will? Firstly, we have the gift of scripture, 
we have our Bible. Throughout the Old Testament, we have the family history of Jesus. In the Gospels, we have the life of Jesus as our teacher. And in the remainder of the New Testament, we have the advice of people who loved and served Christ. People who had met him. And then, well, just two weeks ago, we celebrated Pentecost. And so we must never forget that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, which leads us in God's way. Sometimes, sometimes the Spirit speaks quietly and sometimes loudly. But no matter which, we have to be prepared to listen for God's word for us. And as we all know, this at times can be a struggle as we seek to make time and space in our busy lives. As well as the Bible, there are many, many good commentaries available to help us to interpret God's word. One writer of the commentaries is the late Willie Barclay. And I'd like to just share a little bit from his commentary in today's passage to help answer my second question, which was, what does it mean to be part of Christ's family? For we are part of Christ's family. Barclay comments on true kinship, family, as having four elements in common. Common experience, common interest, common obedience, and a common goal. So let's take each one of these in turn. Much can be built on common experience, especially when it's experience where two people have really come together through things. Someone once met an old lady, an acquaintance of hers had died. You'll be sorry, he said, that Mrs. So-and-so is dead. Yes, she said, but without showing any great grief. I saw you last week, laughing and talking with each other, he said. You must have been great friends. Yes, she said, I was friendly with her. I used to laugh with her. But to be real friends, folks have got to weep together. To be real friends, folks have got to weep together. And that is so profoundly true. When you're able to cry as well as to laugh with someone, then the depth of that relationship is truly meaningful. The basis of true kinship lies in a common experience. And Christians, well, we have the common experience. We have the common experience of being forgiven sinners. Secondly, true kinship lies in a common interest. It's been said that a football supporter will have a common interest in football with any lover of the game in any part of the world. But when it's discovered that two people support the same team, then despite possible barriers of race, gender, language or location, there is an affinity that creates an instant bond. How much more therefore for Christians who have a common desire to know more about Jesus Christ. Thirdly, true kinship lies in a common obedience. A common obedience. Look at the disciples. They were a mixed group indeed. All kinds of backgrounds, opinions and beliefs were mixed up amongst them. Tax collector like Matthew and a fanatical nationalist like Simon the Zealot ought to have hated each other with a passion. They were bound together because they both followed the same Jesus. The soldiers in an army, despite the difference in their origins, class, education or colour, find that they're bound together in a common cause, such that they would give their lives for each other. 
And today, here in this place, we, whether formerly a member of Glenburn or of Stowbray, we are all part of Christ's family. We can only truly love one another as Christians because of our common obedience to Christ. Fourthly, true kinship lies in a common goal. There is nothing that binds us closer than a common aim. If kinship for the Christian comes from the common goal that we are seeking to share the gospel of Christ so that our lives are changed, then Christians above all else possess the secret of kinship. We are all seeking to know Christ better. We're all seeking to know Christ better and to bring others within his kingdom. In whatever ways we differ, on this we agree. And finally, let us never forget that for Jesus, family, all his inclusive family, is a community of people joined as an expression of their commitment to know and to show God's will. In the words of hymn 694, Brother, sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. We are pilgrims on a journey and companions on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. I will hold the Christ's light for you in the night time of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you. Speak the peace you long to hear. I will weep when you are weeping. When you laugh, I'll laugh with you. I will share your joy and sorrow till we've seen this journey through. When we sing to God in heaven, we shall find such harmony, born of all we've known together, of Christ's love and agony. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. Amen. And to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be glory and praise now and forevermore. We're going to now praise God in a hymn that I think might be new to us. It's 684, The Lord Created Families. The Lord created families to make his kindness known. For when we care the way we ought, our love reflects his own, a love which reaches out to those who feel alone. The Lord has made a family with members everywhere, and Jesus is his eldest son, the one whose name we bear, whose word and life show holiness, a likeness we can share. We, we are your church, your family, the children of your grace. Inspire us, Lord, to show the world the warmth of your embrace, till all who long for wholeness find a welcome and a place. Hymn 684.
let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. God of all, you have given your all for us. In thanksgiving, we lay these gifts of money before you to be used to build your kingdom. With our gifts of money, we offer you our skills, our time, our talents, and our love to serve you in this place. Bless all that we offer in Jesus' name. Lord of the world, our Father, our Mother, our Saviour and Friend, we pray for your children all over the world. We pray for families divided by war, poverty, hunger, natural disaster or pandemic, for they are our brothers and sisters. We pray for families divided by acrimony and misunderstanding, for families divided by economic circumstances, for they are our brothers and sisters. We pray for agencies that support family life, for Christian people trying to do the will of God in many different ways, for they are our brothers and sisters. We pray for all who are frail or elderly, lonely, bereaved, sick or dying. And we pray for all who support the frail and elderly, the sick and dying, the lonely and the bereaved. In a moment of silence, we bring you our prayers for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We bring you our prayers for those we hope would welcome you into their lives and become our brothers and sisters. We give thanks for our own families, for parents who raised and taught us, for children who delight and challenge us, for those who depend on us, for they are our brothers and sisters. And we give you thanks for Jesus, our Saviour, and we pray in his name, for we are his brothers and sisters. Amen. We close this morning's service of worship with hymn 441. Blessing and honour and glory and power, wisdom and riches and strength evermore, give to the Lord who our battle hath won, whose are the kingdom, the crown and the throne. Hymn 441.
And now I'd ask that if you're able, you would please stand for God's blessing. God of all life, you have called us as your family and brought us together in doing your will. Help us in our work and in our homes to trust in your strength and to live in the light of your love. And the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one of you and all those whom you love, this day and forevermore. Amen.